0: hey miss hey everybody welcome to hey miss
1: it's mary here
0: and Dee uh so we changed our podcast name because <clears throat> i did not research if there was already in fact a podcast with the name A Tale of Two Teachers because I thought I was really smart and obviously the first person to ever think of that name because it's like the book, A Tale of Two Cities, but there was already a podcast called that, so mm -hmm, I felt a bit silly and we had to change it. Hey Miss it is. (laughs) I mean, it's accurate. Yeah, you
1: hear those two words and
0: it will get your attention. I mean, it doesn't matter that we learn something like 150 new names every year and they only have to learn like five or six or something. It's still just, hey Miss, not even your last name just the miss part every time. Um, so also, you might hear in the background today, we've moved houses, or we've just moved from Mary's house to my house, and I have two dogs who are uh, infinitely louder than a cat who ignores us most of the time, where these guys are very interested in uh, being exactly where we are at all times. They do love Mary though, they're very excited she's in. I am liking the
1: little table wagon.
0: Like, smacking you in the leg. It's, it's just, <laughs> it is quite heavy actually he broke my mug the other day he smacked it off the coffee table with his big fat tail and he was not concerned that there was coffee all over the floor but i was um so i was just thinking about anything crazy that happened i was just telling mary the story but i played netball and yesterday we played netball for anzac round on, on monday and someone landed on my foot, and my whole toenail—well, actually, it was three quarters of my toenail—was just hanging off my foot, and I didn't actually notice at first because my shellac nail polish stayed perfectly in place. And I had to sit in the shower, so my husband was like, "When you just sit in the shower, and you can just pull it off with some pliers." With Tasty. pliers? Tasty. I was like, "No, no. that sounded painful. I didn't want to do that." So my original plan was I would just put band-aids over it to it eventually fell off by itself. When I did get in the shower, I checked to see how far off I actually was. It was disgusting. Like I have. I'm very uh, easily induced to that like gag sound, I'm like, that's disgusting. So, uh, <laughs> mm, when I got in the shower and I realized how far it was sticking off, I was like, maybe I can get it all the way off. So I was like, maybe if I just let the hot water hit it for ages, it will like, I don't know, soften it up or something. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna have to get it off. It's hanging on by like a corner. I yanked it, it did not feel good. Um, For a second, I like saw spots before my eyes, I'm like, oh, God, this is it for me, this is how I go. And and I was saying that uh, I was very impressed that not one part of my nail polish had, like, if you just put it back over top of my toe, it was all in one piece, it was perfect. I was like, why? You could have glued it back on. I couldn't, I should have glued it back on. And now my poor foot just looks ridiculous. Like, this poor little toe, it's like, it looks naked, and I'm sad for it.
1: I might want to paint the skin. This is
0: what I'm like. If I now go back to get pedicure, can I just not have one for like, how long do toenails take to grow back on? Do
1: you pay for nine out of ten?
0: Yeah, but can I have it for less? I don't know. I'm now. What do I do?
1: Just a couple bucks off. I'm so
0: sad. I'm so sad.
1: Um, Even though we're on holiday. project, or is it just us? It's just us. We're just the uh, idiot state Ugh. that does it, and um, it does my brain in. So yay, that was
0: fun. I mean, to any current Year Twelves who happen to hear, you happen to hear this, we love research project. It's very helpful for your future lives.
1: It's so good. It teaches you how to research <laughs> stuff, stuff, and reference said stuff. <laughs> <laughs> As if you haven't learned that
0: before. Anyway, um, pets corner. Oh yeah. So <clears throat> pets are expensive everybody. And uh, pet insurance is a rot, I think. Anyway, actually, the pet insurance lady is the person who told me I shouldn't bother getting pet insurance for my pets. She told me they would try for anything to... Oh, my dishwasher. They'll try with anything to be like, oh, it's a pre-existing condition, blah, blah, blah. So of course, my dog, who has epilepsy and uh, ataxia and is also blind. There's no way you can get pet insurance for this guy. So um, he has... <laughs> degenerative retina disease, I think it's called um, he also has cataracts, cataracts. So cataracts <laughs> we take him to the doctor <laughs> <laughs> I did suggest once that a blind dog should be able to get glasses and you could call them
1: doggles <laughs> oh, I love that too much because I'm imagining him
0: Yeah, I did. I did suggest that to the doggy ophthalmologist which is a real thing by the way, he did not laugh, he did not Think we were funny I don't know if he's heard that joke before but I thought I was hilarious anyway basically they're like oh he's got these big cataracts he looks like he has um magic eyes basically is how the vet described them to me because his cataracts are so big they literally take up the whole white of his eyes and everything so his eyes are just white so the only time you see that he actually has brown eyes is so if you take him out in the bright sun and then his like pupils still contract and stuff so then you can see that he has brown eyes and he looks vaguely normal for a second Yeah, <laughs> like Marilyn and got that. So we were like, "Oh, his eye looks a bit red," uh, but he does walk into a lot of things. So that's like, you feel like, he's just walk- so we baby-proofed our furniture, even though we don't have children. Thank the Lord for that. Um, so we had to go baby-proof our coffee table and like uh, our TV stand, just so he couldn't whack into it. So we were like, "Okay, well, he's probably just hit something really hard. It's a little bit. He cuts himself a lot. He gets black eyes, which um, he's a gold Labrador, so you can't see it until you get like real right up close to his face. So like, I oh, will just take him to get checked out. So we take him there and the vet's like, oh, I think he scratched his eye. We're like, okay, no worries. So she puts it, <laughs> she did a little uh, pressure test. And if you've ever had to get your eyes checked with a puff air into your eyeball, it does not feel very nice. So they did it, but they do it with liquid. It shoots five little tiny dots of this white liquid into his eyeball and somehow that measures pressure. That was perfect. Oh good, not a worry. Like, oh, we're gonna give him even fancier magic eyes than he already has. So it was this yellow liquid it kind of looked like the color of pee when you don't drink enough water so you know very exciting and they just dribbled it into his eye which he did not enjoy and they turned the light off and then the only parts of his eyes like that you could see because it's so cataract filled which is this like glowing yellow weird super powered look in his eye and then they shone a light into it and then this white bit where he scratched himself on his eyeball was like bright yellow it looked like I, I looked like a weird superhero power, like he was gonna like open up into this white blinding light that could, I don't know, like break buildings or something. So he was not loving life and they were like, oh, just be careful because it might dribble out of his nose as you go home. Oh, he's just rolled over for a belly rub. Oh, sweet boy. Um, so as we were going home, he didn't, well, he did dribble a little bit out of his nose, but he couldn't really, he kind of licked it away, which is kind of gross, but he didn't really care that much. We had to take him back for a checkup. They did it again. Now, like it won't happen this time because we haven't put very much in his eye, and his eye was all here, so it he was all good. But as we were going home, he did in fact dribble this weird yellow liquid from his nose that was like magic snot. And uh, he did not notice this time that he had dribbled uh, magic snot, and so he's just kind of like flicking his head around at the back as dogs do because he loves the car um, out the window. It's just yellow snot flying legitimately everywhere, which was disgusting, but the lesson of the day is, one, baby proof your furniture if you have a blind dog, two, dogs are really expensive and it costs like over 300 and something dollars, <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> straight away, <laughs> and they basically were like, even if you baby proof everything on your house, he's going to walk into stuff, like they, they said it might not even be furniture, he could like walk into a bush outside and that would scratch his cornea, or he could accidentally <laughs> scratch his own eye, or... Whatever, so. okay Okay, um, this might seem disjointed because uh, the blind dog thinks that barking and everything, barking as my husband calls it, will somehow protect us from the car that's three streets away, the person who's already walked 500 metres down the road, or his, his own shadow and his favourite thing to bark at at the moment, the lamb who lives next door, is visiting next door. Every time that lamb goes off, whoo! <laughs> So I have been abandoned by both of my dogs who were (laughs) with Mary to get scritches and love. And sassing me, quite frankly.
1: Yeah, so much too.
0: (laughs) Well, they're elderly, gentlemen men now. Apparently once they hit eight, as a dog you are a senior dog. So. Explain to Monty's little white beard. Yeah, he has like a full and white beard now, which is uh, quite hilarious. So Monty is nine and a, I want to say a half, and Midas is only just over eight, so there, but they are old grumpy men now, it's very funny. I'm mm-hmm. quite talkative, quite talkative today, which is not convenient for Um, Do you remember 2019, obviously, the beginning of COVID? Mm-hmm. Because I remember, I don't really watch the news because the news is biased. And
1: depressing as shit.
0: And run by Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really watch it, but I didn't. So I didn't hear about it. I think it came up on Facebook. Young people, Facebook was before Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Just FYI. It was a thing that old people used to keep in contact. After MySpace, <laughs> MySpace. That was like really bad. The Goth people were done. the emo scene kids on MySpace. I think oh, it was. Yeah. Um, and I think I heard about it on Facebook first, it was like, uh, but they were talking about it as if it was, wasn't coming over here at first. Like, you know, it was this uh, virus that had been found in China, oh, I first come from China, et cetera. And I remember thinking, and that kind of like, mm, I think Australians kind of feel like lots of stuff doesn't affect us because we're quite far away you know everything's like well, we're quite away from everybody so we're kind of safe from things. I remember hearing about it and being like it sounded bad, it sounded a little bit scary but it wasn't that scary because it wasn't here yet. So you were kind of like oh you know it won't come in here as long as they say like stop people coming over from overseas and stuff will be fine. I don't think anyone really, I don't think anyone really-
1: Here no, in Australia. I yeah, I do
0: that. That's to the point where I don't. I remember swine flu being a thing, but I don't remember it ever being like an issue here. Yeah, I think that's why. And think about it now, two years later, it's still around. It's Like you would never have thought that was going to happen back in 2019. So we were. I had to go back and look it up because I couldn't even remember that. And I didn't realize it was this early that the first case, confirmed case in Australia, was like the 19th of january 2020 but it obviously started towards the end of of 2019 um and the reason i remember that was so when i read it, i was like oh i do remember being early because we were going to have our honeymoon late december um early january of 2020 and we had kind of heard a little bit about it but how not reached we were kind of like oh do we book somewhere like how bad is this going to be maybe we'll just wait thinking we would wait Three six months and then going obviously that and two years later and we still have we still haven't been it's our three year wedding anniversary we still haven't been anywhere Uh, but now we're just too lazy to go but um yeah and then it came in I think it was in Victoria the first one and then it got to South Australia in February I think it came like the but they didn't announce it to the second of February I couldn't find the details of like when it actually officially first arrived but. It was the first time we saw the angel, Dr. Nicholas Spurrier, who led us through trying times with Grace and fantastic hair. Oh yeah,
1: she is a saint among I'm
0: the immortals. <laughs> the rest of us. Um, and then, because it was so weird, when it first happened, it was the beginning of the school year, and nobody really, like we said, knew
1: how bad it would be. And I
0: mean, then, there were some
1: kids wearing masks, so. Yeah, and it
0: was suddenly a sprinkling of people when you went out to the shops would be wearing masks but not a lot um, and I didn't at the beginning either like I didn't, didn't worry about it now to the point where we don't have to wear masks anymore I kind of feel weird not wearing them because it's yeah, been
1: okay.
0: yeah I'm like well I don't have to put like full face of makeup on now instead of just doing my eyes <laughs> no 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 this is too much effort um, and I don't think it really affected us until the end of one and even then it was kind of like there were like really low cases in South Australia we were kind of very privileged in that way where like Victoria and New South Wales and stuff had like heaps of cases and their schools were locked down like pretty for quick months. yeah
1: and for months on end to the point where I think they ended up spending like almost two whole months in, mm. in doing distance learning and Yeah, once the students
0: yeah absolutely and it was like I think they said something like only three percent of children were attending face-to-face learning um oh thank you buddy uh at one point um where say like our state it was most kids were at school um and it was only people who were like I, I guess we I-, I think I was like oh just thing so over cautious it's not even in South Australia but we were pretty lucky to be honest like the amount of cases and stuff that we had but yeah the end of term one we finished the term early. Uh, I can't remember, was it the whole week? I can't remember, it was the yeah, few days. Yeah, pretty much had a whole week. Yeah, because normally term one is 11 weeks, which seems like an internally long, so, so, such a long term. So we finished a week early and it was basically, the cases were starting to slowly ramp up. And so we were getting ready to have to do online learning in term two. Um, I felt really sorry for the junior school
1: teachers that to do so much more kind of instant work. They have to be putting together packs um, for all the different subjects, trying to put together these, like, packets of work. They got delivered and,
0: to the kids, I think. Some parents yeah. came and got
1: them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they had to try and anticipate, like, what can we possibly do yeah. for an extended period of time? What can students do potentially with, like, the guidance of parents um, and without technology? Because you can't really guarantee that everyone has technology.
0: It would be interesting to know the difference between the public and the private schools. In primary schools, because our school was, I think year three and above had laptops. I think it was year three. and But you know, that wouldn't be something that public schools would necessarily do. My mum's public school, ooh, yes, my mum's public school, um, they have um, like banks of laptops, they call them, that you go around as a class, like your class can borrow them. Um, or they have like the ICT lab. But like not everyone has a laptop like all the kids do so yeah you can't and you can't expect year one kids to be in front of their laptop all day like no yeah so um i mean i guess online learning was like a bit of a It was called school-led remote learning officially um or online learning i just, yeah it was before high school and i like our subjects are all language-rich subjects which is different again to like to, say try and teach math or science online or something which oof, i don't know if that would be easier or worse well, that's the
1: thing is like i know that some of the maths and science teachers at our school had already started doing some like flip learning mm. and were already doing some videos online to get yep. through content because you know at senior school level you need to get through so much terms
0: especially year 11 and 12 like you don't have any
1: time to play around with so they were already doing videos um, and so they were essentially having to do that um, and do like you know board work but like on the laptop yeah writing it
0: I know one of our colleagues was literally, I can't remember if he got someone else to do it for him or if he just set up his phone, but basically had his phone or camera, or whatever it was pointed at his whiteboard and actually worked everything out on the whiteboard for the kids and had filmed it and then uploaded that as well. So it got pretty crazy. Um, so we had to do, I think it was a day of professional development about the different types of online learning that you could do which was interesting for some of the more mm, traditional teachers, maybe, who don't maybe usually use technology in the classroom
1: kind of at all, if ever. Like, pretty much all they use their laptop for is
0: to do the role. Yeah, and then, like, you you ignore it, and the kids can do their writing on there, but they don't really use technology. So I feel like that would be a struggle for... I don't want to say older teachers, because there's quite a few older teachers who are, like, super onto it. But there's those very much traditionalist teachers who... Um, you know, you write notes down off the board, you, you know.
1: It's very short and talk.
0: Yeah, yeah, like exactly. The old school
1: style. Um, whereas, yeah, we had all of these different platforms that we were learning about. We were learning about, like, Screencast. Yeah, very helpful. Which is, has been a godsend. Yeah, thank God for that. Um, Probably. and, you know, like how we can do Teams meetings to, <laughs> you know, interact with students and make sure that you're still having kind of, like, face-to-face but from a distance yes. past
0: time. We also had to do a lot of stuff about, um, not the ethics, but I guess kind of the ethics of like teaching online as well, which is something that you would never really think about because um, if you upload a video to your students, normally you would upload it to whatever program you use, like our school uses still to this day sector, you would upload your video, whatever everyone can access it, including parents, it wasn't a problem. But all of a sudden, there was a thing of like, which program do you use? Do you use Google? classrooms? What about Zoom? Do we use Teams? Um, So I don't know what all schools did. Like I don't know what the public school system does.
1: It's a mix. So some are using uh, Teams, some some are using Google Classroom, some are using Zoom. They were finding though, like recently, with using Zoom, um, that if you weren't careful with like privacy settings, students could then take control of the screen. There, which yes. often included inappropriate things. Of course. And so there was a big there was a big hubbub yeah. at school because um, some students had essentially hijacked a lesson <laughs> and um shown some inappropriate stuff and they had to figure out the course of action what they were going to do yeah, sending out a letter to parents, all that sort of stuff. So that was like one of the issues with Zoom whereas with teams you know you can be the host and you can, yeah. you can pretty much control who yeah who sees
0: what, when, all that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah, it was a uh, Zoom also, depending on like your privacy settings, like people can crash your meetings and stuff. I remember, I think it was like yeah. Hamish and Andy did this thing on their radio show where they would randomly hack into people's meetings and see what happens. And they accidentally hacked into like a defense force one or something and got into heaps of trouble. I think it was Hamish and Andy, I can't remember. Um, yeah, so we used Teams, which was fine. The good thing about Teams is like there's heaps of storage and stuff, so you could, you have like a team for each of your classes and then you could make different files, so um, I'm still using Teams to upload resources to now anyway, just in case. So then if anything happens, it's already there. So I add it to sector or, you know, wherever the kids are gonna access this from and then it also goes on Teams. So if suddenly, if your kids are kids at home, they can get to everything. The interesting thing about using Teams was trying to get kids who, say like younger kids like so your eights and nines and stuff trying to like get them on teams and get them to use it appropriately, um, not as bad as hijacking it for inappropriate images and stuff but like how do you take the role when you're on teams? Do you so, like do you just get them to say here like also teachers like- different schools would uh, like have different roles in
1: terms of that as well like um, we had to make verbal communication, we had to
0: most awkward part about using teams or you know or whatever when you have uh, they don't always turn their cameras on and so you're just looking at these little black circles with their name and so like I know if I was a kid I'd be like yeah I'm here like put my like put the little black circle on there so that and just walk away like you don't and especially considering class sizes you don't really engage with them in a conversation because you can't because your classes are too big or you'd have like potentially 28 to 30 depending on your class size all trying to talk to you at the same time which you just can't do so they know you're probably not going to ask them a question so you could potentially just get up and walk away so I think we've only had two weeks I reckon all together where we've had to do online learning which hasn't been too bad Um, and I know that the kids kind of hated it. I think they liked the no- the novelty of it at the beginning, and then by the end of it, they were ready, more than ready to come back. Yeah. Um, so in terms of work, we especially for language-rich subjects, we had to. I kind of had to move my units around immediately. So I was doing a novel study, which yes, like a part of a novel study is reading. And I never make students read out loud in the classroom. To me, if they volunteer, that's fine, but they usually don't. But I, I remember being in high school myself, or I can't remember if it was high school, or middle school, or whatever, and this poor kid in my class having, the teacher was like, no, you have to read, you don't have a choice. And this kid stumbling clearly. You would probably now be like, oh, they were dyslexic. Um, stumbling over words, having issues reading. And I remember this kid, being in tears basically, you had to read a certain amount of pages or something in my class. And I was, I remember when I first was like, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to teach English, I was like, I would never make a kid
1: read. Yeah, I was the same. Particularly, and I mean, it helps if you either use like a recording or mm. if you read because you kind of set the pace as well. Yeah.
0: I like to read, so it was easy in terms of online, I just screencast o was amazing. Like I kind of literally made it like a little podcast, I would find the cover of the novel, turn that would be the screen, what the screen recorded, and then I would just read it, and at the end of the the chapters or however many I was going to do, I would explain the chapter questions or whatever activity I was going to get them to do as well, so that was fine, some of them were pretty easy, that was pretty easy, so I started doing a novel study on purpose. Um, can you find a PDF from the novel, what if they didn't get to take their novel home with them or you know, whatever. So is there an online version of the novel that they can get to for free without asking them to illegally download anything, which obviously you don't want to do. The hardest part for us, I think that first year was year 12. Yes. It was
1: the actual worst. Because not only are they anxiety ridden because it's year 12, they're also stressing it there's this unknown thing that is looming over them there's this threat but we don't quite know if it's going to hit us what yeah. impact it's going to have and so um our school kind of adopted a like half-half approach in terms yep. of you know students that needed supervision could come into the school like
0: essential workers and stuff yeah. yeah but some
1: of our year 12s came in just because they knew they weren't able to self-motivate they weren't mm. able to do the work on and they would prefer to have access to the teachers and to be there and have someone keeping them accountable. Yeah. Um, and so we did have a lot of year 12s come in just because they were concerned that they weren't going to keep up. And
0: because it wasn't so bad, then at the time it wasn't wasn't a big deal. But when they closed the schools for the last time for that week, it was like nobody could come in except for essential workers. So it kind of like you could tell how bad it kind of was by how strict they were. But the weird thing about this kind of like mishmash of both things was kids would be at school and you had to supervise them somewhere so you had to have a roster of teachers who would look after this conglomerate of students who would come in for whatever reason over you know they had year six to year 12 in kind of like this big room i think they split them up at one point as well in different rooms they had to split away from each other and you had to have someone to supervise that and so you kind of rotated subjects and stuff and people so you could They could potentially have access, but also they had to access online learning at the same time.
1: Yeah, so they would potentially need to have their laptop and headphones Mm. and be, you know, logged into a lesson and also be in a classroom with other students that are doing different lessons with different teachers online. So it was yeah, it was very messy, very difficult. I mean it was hard for teachers because we didn't quite know what to do like because it was just such an unknown it was a weird circumstance it was hard for the students because they were trying to balance different subjects different expectations like some teachers were expecting them to get the same amount of work done but without having like physical access to the teacher others were like not very clear in what they're expecting to have done and so it was just a very I guess uh, uncertain time
0: yeah I mean I guess that was one of the big difficulties when you're preparing work for students was like, how much are they gonna get done um, in your lesson? You know, and then how can you, if you were seeing a double lesson normally and you said them, like, oh, we're going to do a draft of an essay today, you could be like, right, by the end of the first half of the double, you need to have done blah, 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 blah. And you, but you would continuously be answering questions, hey, miss, what does this mean? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you would consistently walk around, that kid looks like they've been off task for 10 minutes. I can just head over there, hey, Mary, how are you? Do you need some help? Where are you up? Do you show me what you're doing? And lots of kids will not ask for help until you're literally in front of them going, hey, show me. And then they'll suddenly go, I don't understand something. When they're at home, they're not going to want to like engage with you on a public forum. So they might send you an email, a direct message, or they'd be like, "Well, I'm just not going to ask the question at all." And so, how much work do you think they're going to get done in a double lesson? I could say for my Year Twelves, expect them to smash out, you know, half an assignment almost if they were really concentrating. But then when they're at home,
1: can you expect the same from them? Are they having to look after, you know, younger siblings who are also online? Yeah, because they're the eldest. And- so it was just such a such a strange time to be teaching it.
0: There was also this like idea of preparation. It was interesting and my husband said the same thing when we first started dating, he had that preconceived notion that oh teachers get so many holidays, like it's so like, easy. Um, you know, like we work from 8 to 3.30 or 4.30 if you've got a meeting or something and then your job is over. And he said it wasn't until we started seeing each other and then he, you know, he would come to see me on the weekend or I would come to see him and I would have to sit on my laptop and be marking essays or whatever, whatever for most of the weekend. Or, you know, um, I would be busy the entire time and he would want to spend time with us. Like, I really can't, I have stuff to do. And then he would see me give up my holidays to go in and see my year 12s or year 11s who are struggling to get their English credits or um, a drama rehearsal that goes for an entire day or you know and I'll potentially spend three or four of my days working even though I'm on holidays and then the other days you were preparing for the next term you were finishing off your marking you were whatever whatever so it wasn't until we he actually was around a teacher who's like oh you you don't get like no, 10 weeks of holidays no. like throughout the year or whatever it is um, and so then when it came time to start doing this he suddenly was like Watching me prepare at home, like what felt like millions of videos. Yeah,
1: and it took, and that's the thing is, you you think it will, it won't take you very long, but you need to prepare all the resources for it. Yeah. You then need to set up and record it. You need to make sure it's accessible. You need to make sure that you're like potentially like you got to try and I guess think about what kinds of questions might come up from yep. students, and you've got to try to like almost preemptively um answer questions that you think they will have um as you're going through something as you're teaching something
0: i found it much easier if i did the same text that i'd done previously because then you kind of know last time i taught this field. yeah this bit they didn't get blah 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 so you could kind of preempt those questions but the harder other thing was trying to when you're doing those videos and stuff, actually differentiate for students. You have different needs as well, which you could do much more subtly in the subtly, subtly in the in the classroom than you can do when you're trying to do a video. And you don't want to call the students out by name. You know, and you need to do this. So then you might have to actually make three or four completely different. Um, supporting resources and then send that to that kid individually with perhaps another explanation because they're doing something either slightly different or completely different if they have a completely independent education plan where they're not accessing the Australian curriculum. You know, like that was, we did a video for our Year 12s in that kind of week where we had to introduce this external assignment to them that we would have introduced around about that time anyway, but we didn't know if we were going to see them. So we sat in a classroom together and we made this video and we had to kind of, I can't remember how long the video went for, it was quite lengthy I think, at least half an hour or something. Yeah, it was pretty much half an hour. And we had the tar sheet up on the board, we had to like screen share things and take them through, we had to go through every question we'd ever been asked by other students, no you can't do this, yes you can do that. Yeah. You know, um, it was... It was intense. And then doing that for every subject, potentially three or four times, like I did for my year 10s this year. (laughs) Oh my goodness. We just finished reading a novel, bless them. They liked the book. It was all good. And then it was like, we need to do online learning. And that was because I was at home, not not because the, the school went into lockdown or anything, but I was like, okay, how do I explain to them how to write? a paragraph when some of them had never written an essay before. Yeah. Normally you would go through it in class, you could do it on the board, you could talk them through it. All of a sudden I'm like, right, how do I do this in a video?
1: Yeah. <laughs> there's no co-creation, there's no like input from the class. Yeah. It's literally like, well this is my process yeah. as I'm thinking it through <laughs> and I'm having to talk out my thinking yeah. whilst doing it and explain it so that hopefully everyone out there understands. And I mean I
0: it's so funny as well because they done an essay plan, so I was like, thank goodness we've done that. And I was like, right, no, this is the hardest part. How do I structure this paragraph? And of course they're in the attendance, it's the first time they had to really kind of interweave ideas and together, you know, just have this is a quote that shows this, and like put that in together. And the core things, they just so well, well wasn't there, but trying to get that out into a video was really difficult. And then I got to the end and the kids were like, we don't know how to write a conclusion. And I was like, oh, it's not something you think of because a conclusion you can do in five minutes in class. Yeah. But I was like, oh right, I have to do another video, how to write a conclusion, you're like, this is horrendous. Yeah. It was just uh, it's a lot. I rearranged my entire year so I
1: didn't have to teach a film study while we were in lockdown. Can you imagine? I, I started with the film uh, study no. uh, with my year 11s because I thought, OK, we can do some context and background stuff. Yeah. Um, and I can record videos about that context and background stuff. They can go and watch the film. Yes, that is good though. And then when we come back to class, because we knew we were coming back in yeah. like two weeks, when we come back into class, we're watching it and deconstructing it together. Yeah. But if it was any longer than two weeks, I would have Yeah, I know. Been what do you do? I would have been
0: screwed. And again, it's that more like, that ethical thing of like, you know, if you show a movie in class, that's fine, because I can't remember the exact rules of but you can show it education, you have to show them the credits or something at the end, I think it's yeah. the, is the rules. Um, and then you can go back and you can deconstruct and blah 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 but then you're like okay we're going to watch this movie at home right so where do they access it so we have a program called ClickView, which lots of educational institutions have where they can get things off of all different um streaming services i think they have a deal with Foxtel or something and they can upload stuff on there but then according to the ratings, so if my year 10s are watching an M-rated movie and I have permission, then I can show them the M-rated movie but when they log on to ClickView, they can't see the M-rated movie even though they have permission. So there was it's all- t-
1: age ratings. So it's just
0: craziness. So you're like, okay, so the ethical part says that I'm not, like, oh, it's on Netflix. If you have Netflix, you can go watch it. And lots of kids do, but what if you don't have Netflix? Yeah. Like, I can't give them a DVD, I'm not with them. Um, so it got to the point where you were just kind of like, just don't tell me how you got it. Uh-huh. Get your hands on the film
1: however totally you can. Totally legally yes. access Yes,
0: do, film. do something. I had lots of kids say that their parents were um, renting it for them through their, you know, say like Google TV or something, like renting it. And of course, like if you're just watching it once, that's fine. But then what if you have to do that deconstruction at home? Are you asking people to go and buy a DVD? Like, you know, it was, it was mayhem. And so sometimes you're just like, Behind would it be if I just gave them an illegal version of it? Like you, get, you kind of got desperate like you, what can I do? Yes. So G-rated stuff was fine. So re rates and were fine. You get to like, and so kids who were doing their folio in year 12 were like, well, What do I do if I can't access my film when I'm at home because I can't get to it without the school? I was
1: like, No, that's a very that's a damn good question. So,
0: luckily for us, we never got into that situation. But thinking of like the schools in Victoria, New South Wales, I just wonder how they yeah, would you would have to change everything shortly so you wouldn't have to do that? Do you know what I mean? It'd be horrendous. So, besides the difficulties for us, which was quite stressful Mm. actually, I've never felt less prepared in my life. I felt like I was just
1: fresh. Yeah, like brand new,
0: creating everything from school. Because you basically were, Mm. like, you might have had your Word documents and stuff ready to go, but you could give them and then you'd give them a verbal explanation, but now you're recreating this. Like, how do I teach this?
1: How do I go through this without the, like, input of students straight away Disgusting. asking questions mm. there and then, you know, how do I anticipate what they might need.
0: And that, I think that was just the hardest part. That was the hardest part. Just like...
1: I was exhausted. Yeah, it was horrible. I was constantly exhausted.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, one of the main difficulties for the students, I would guess, would be that lack of one-on-one teaching. So many kids, when they came back and you were like joking, like, you know, oh, what did you like better online learning or face-to-face? And they are like, I just needed to come back to school. Yeah. Especially year 11s and 12s, they were, like... If I had a question and like you would explain it, but they still didn't get it, or if the customer you'd explain it like five different times to them until they understood. Um, or you know, can you check this for me? And they were so they were emailing you, but you just it's not the same as being one-on-one with them all the time. Um, which I think I found difficult, so they definitely must have found difficult yeah. as well. Especially like, say, like needy years, like year eights, who need you every sentence. What about yeah. this sentence? What about that sentence? You're like, just like a sentence.
1: <laughs>
0: it it's <laughs> <laughs> So funny, um, and then yeah, uh, it's also hard. Kind of like when you have disengaged students, yeah. if a kid's got their head down on my desk in class, clearly they're not engaged, and I like, I like to address it. Yeah, just like, hey, are we boring you, like, or you know, I had a year eleven do it the other day, literally right in front of me, head on the desk. I was like, mate are you for real right now? I'm like, you're not even in the back row, I can see you. So you can't see that when they're online, so you don't know. So the only way I would do it is I would randomly, you know, um, at a couple of kids on the team, like directly mention them on the team wall so you could at them like you can on Instagram or like Facebook or whatever. But like, hey, how are you going? And I would just randomly each lesson pick different kids and I would start off with the kids who I knew in class were normally to engage and see if you got a reply. And that was that whole thing of like... Uh, we did it on sector like notifications like not engaging online but yeah. you know how can you really tell yeah so yeah disengaged students were really difficult because some kids were actually better online which was really interesting like yeah. did more work yeah. and other kids did do less. yeah <laughs> and then some kids who are normally engaged in class were then the opposite online Yeah. but you didn't really know until say your draft was due, or yeah. you got back to school and the kid was like, yeah, no, miss, I haven't done
1: anything. Yeah. What have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> Playing video games. Um. I feel like mental health is oh. a major concern. Like, I mean, it's always a concern with young people, mm. but it's something, again, that you can address in class. You can kind of take a student to the side and say, like, how are things going? Yeah. If they seem a little bit off or a little bit distant or just kind of you know their behavior is a little bit different whereas you can't really do that online it's really really hard to kind of gauge you know yep. whether a student is struggling um you know I had some I had some students like outwardly say you know I'm really struggling because I'm having to look after all my siblings yeah and that was you know, that it's happened a lot yeah you know it's, it's a balance and I'm scared about like the future and, and you know what's going to happen the thing about being in
0: a class one-on-one is that you can visually see a student and their reaction and you can once you've got to know them if you're relational with your students pick almost immediately when a kid walks in that something's not okay that day yeah. and if you have built that relationship you can even if they don't really give you all of the details like bad day yes yeah, bad day and sometimes I tell you sometimes they won't tell you but when you're online and are you here and all you get is a yes I'm here and then you're like, here's the lesson, off you go. But also the things like most schools, well, all schools I would imagine, provide some kind of mental health support, like on-site school on counsellors. Um, some schools have like therapy dogs and all that, because I'm so jealous of schools that have therapy dogs. I'm so mad that you have one, just first of all.
1: I mean, yeah.
0: But then all of a sudden that support network is
1: taken away from them, and it's different. So you know, I know that the counselor at our school was doing online sessions. Yeah, I think so. But there's also issues with doing that. Like they had to, you know, seek permissions and yeah. try and make sure that it was in a way that is still private and confidential for the student and safe for but, them as well. But also safe for them yeah. in their practice. And so it was like it's a fine balancing act, and it's it's not. Nice.
0: Not all parents are supportive of their child seeking support. Yeah. Not that it's done in a sneaky way, but you know, if you're at school and you're seeing the counsellor, that's part of your school day, and so it doesn't really affect your family in any way. But if you're at home and then you're seeking, you know, permission to do this and your parents don't want you to, like whatever, it was just lots of kids really, really struggled. I know a few kids at our school. I say our like you're still there. Uh, where I am by myself. <laughs> um, in that first kind of year, it was, I think it was more 2021, people, uh, kids who had eating disorders or some kind of severe depression, where it, they just very obviously kind of declined yeah. in that short period of time when we were yeah. away from school, just because they didn't have that um, network of teachers or people who knew. I
1: think it's one of those issues of, particularly like when you're in crisis, mm-hmm. you might need help straight away. Yeah, You can't get that help straight away. Like, no. You can't schedule a crisis. You can't schedule like, hey, I'm going to have
0: an emotional breakdown at 11.10 this morning, Yeah. so can you be there for me? And I know that like my own anxiety skyrocketed skyrocketed through that and I already have kind of set networks in place who I know to go and seek help. But I remember trying to book a new appointment with my psychologist. I don't go all the time anymore and trying to get in and being like she was booked out for months and the receptionist was like, we've never been so busy Than during this whole time, so
1: clearly it's you know a source of anxiety for everybody, and you know it's just exacerbating, exacerbating, and so many issues like in the system already.
0: I mean, let's in comparison to other countries, Australia's healthcare system is you know hey bulk billing, thank you, Uh, Medicare, thank you. Uh, But when you try to get into specialists and stuff, especially if you don't have private health where you can kind of pay, maybe get some money back, whatever, if you have to go through that public system, there's massive waiting
1: times. I don't know what you mean about the colonoscopy I was supposed to have 13
0: months ago, but I only had on Friday. I know. I don't know what you mean. Waiting! I mean, yeah, and then I guess like, but yeah, it was just crazy. And like elective surgeries got moved and all that kind of stuff, it was just mayhem. And so, um, you know, the resources for kids, especially if you, you are in a lower socioeconomic area, kind of where, like, our school is based, even those mental health services, they're backed up, they don't have enough funding, they don't have enough people working there. You have to wait ages to get an appointment, even if you are in crisis, even if you come with a referral from a school counsellor. I remember one student telling me they'd been referred, I think it was Headspace, to Headspace by a counsellor, and they had to wait something like six months to get in because they yeah. just, they don't have anyone. Yeah. And, like, So if you take away that in-school support, then what happens to them? Do you know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, it was horrible. It was a, it was bad time. And for some kids as well, like in terms of like not even just mental health, but in terms of their general well-being, school is like a safe place for them to get away from, you know, a potentially unsafe environment at home. Or unsupportive. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, that safe space is gone, and they're trapped in that environment where they
1: don't feel welcome or they don't feel safe yeah the social isolation i think That's it's cool. so it's really interesting because some of the students that were the kinds that in class are often like the most difficult to engage mm-hmm. with because you know they may not particularly like your subject because it's language bridge and they might have learning difficulties yet when you go online you know they're the first to log into the call yeah. that they're, they're like hey i'm here miss and yeah. you're like hey
0: yeah. hey someone who's never spoken to me the last okay. time
1: hello eager yeah um but they were, like, ready, yeah, ready to come back to school. They were really, yeah. like, you know, excited to come back to school because they need that social interaction. Yeah. They need that yeah. outlet. They need to be able to see their friends every day. Even just those simple things, I think, they just threw a spatter
0: the I mean, the other group of students, I don't know if they were glad to come back to school, but who definitely needed that one-on-one support. Like, imagine having some kind of learning difficulty, um, of whatever description where you normally would have, like students you have um, support that's kind of like government funded, you have people who basically work with them one-on-one in specific, oh, this is very loud today, um, one-on-one in their in the classroom, and then how do you do that online? So, you know, we try to circumvent, you create a private team within a team where just that person can go, but not all kids wanna access support that way,
1: like not online. And then we also have that privacy concern of like you can't yeah, do a one-on-one Yeah, what do you do? You need to have like multiple students in a call in order for it to be safe for everyone. Yeah,
0: which is completely understandable. Like you need to protect everybody, but those kids who needed additional support suddenly got, you know, thrown under the bus, I guess, a little bit. Like, what do you do? If I can't have a one-on-one chat with them, then how do you support? So yeah, that was really hard too. So there was a whole bunch of kids who came back to school who were behind the, lots of times they feel behind anyway but you can support them and so then they came back and they you were know. behind in multiple
1: subjects which yeah. increased the anxiety which then meant that they were lacking like their acting out mm. or were even more of a mess in terms of emotionally because yeah. they felt they felt like they were just overwhelmed
0: yeah it was it was really really difficult that's why I, I tried to spend so much time trying to create these differentiated resources and I was not I was happy to but I mean, I guess I was happy to, like, create. Because I was like, what else is this kid going to do? You know, and it just took a lot more time for me to do. And I think potentially that's, you know, one of the things that was... And also, like, what if that kid can't access that technology at home? What if I'm like, hey, watch this video, and they're like, "Mm, my internet doesn't work, or my internet's really bad. We had heaps of students that did not have
1: access to the internet, and were having to use their phones, and having to try and, you know, hotspot and, like... Some I know, of them that were coming in just to use
0: the internet. I know a couple of kids were actually coming and sitting. So the schools looked locked down. They were coming and sitting outside the gates of the school to access the Wi-Fi so they could get... I mean, like, that's... I mean, it's equity, isn't it? That's what people were bringing up to, say, the safe board. Well, you know, how is it equitable for people who... Um, live in a remote community or
1: disadvantaged in some way, shape, or form. Um, you
0: don't
1: have access to internet technology, laptops, laptops, you know, know, all of these things. Like, you had some good world to say, we're doing online learning, but what if you're not set up for
0: that? I mean, I know there was a big outcry, I want to say it was in the Northern Territory, yes. where there is, like, a massive issue in terms of, like like equity These, there are lots of remote communities who are like if I don't go to school I don't have access to wi-fi if I don't go to school I don't have access to technology and Northern Territory does the say certificate as well yeah. with us as well so there was a big outcry from the teachers on behalf of their students um, as well and it's this thing like you forget I think in Australia like you think of yourself as quite privileged like you know oh with the internet and then it's this kind of like and I was guilty of it too I was just like oh you know whatever you do it at home and then you have kids who are like oh, I don't have a laptop at home yeah. I don't have the internet at home yeah. and it's, it seems such like such an easy basic thing to me because I am extremely privileged kind of in terms of my like financial situation and, and all that kind of stuff that you don't think like you, it's not something you would think about and all of a sudden you're just like well shit what is this kid going to do but, there, but like there was still an expectation mm. that everyone would be
1: able to get through there's no adjustment to no. the assignments until no. this
0: year? Finally. <laughs> but that's going to come in prompting. Um So one of the things, because we went through like a whole bunch of difficulties and stuff, and then we were trying to think of what were the, were there any positives that came out of, because we're just talking about the beginning, like we're not even talking about, this is like the first year that we're kind of talking about that introduction, like what were the positives, if any, that
1: came out of that whole situation? And I know I'm currently in it with but... Like, it it was really tricky. And so, yeah, we were trying to think of some positives. Um, In terms of the students, I think they learnt a lot about themselves as learners. Yeah. um, In terms of what they need to be able to be successful at school. Some of them, most of them, learnt they really do need that face-to-face, that one-on-one they need us more
0: than they realize. Yeah, that was the thing when the year 12s came back and it was like that. And it had only been a week for
1: us as well, which was
0: hilarious when you think about, say, like, Victorians, stuff, you were locked down mm. for months. Imagine those kids when they came back to school. But after just one week of being online, these year 12s came back and I'm like, oh my God, I feel so behind. Like, we need, like, thank you so much. We never knew how much we needed you. And you were like... Parents as well. Yeah, which was nice, actually. It, it was. Which was refreshing. quite nice. Like a nice... I don't know if it last i think now it's drawn on for a long period of time i don't know if it's still the same i remember getting an email from a parent who had been like i'd had to call up and be like hey your kid's being kind of a douche canoe in my class That's your problem like blah, blah 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 it's just homework it's just reading like you know whatever it's your job to keep them on track and then getting this like very long apologetic message from this parent being like trying to keep this kid or like she is like only 50 minutes how can i not concentrate you're like welcome to my life and they're at home without all the distractions of their fellow students and And she was she was like i will never complain again like you know so So, thank you thank you we'll see how long that lasts for it did last for the rest of the year actually so that was nice it's sad that it took such an extreme situation for parents to be like oh you know what
1: you're not a glorified
0: babysitter. I mean, we should get paid more if we're glorified babysitters
1: just putting on out there. It um, is not enough to get fridge access. We deserve foreign <laughs> access too. And Wi-Fi.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want free stuff, god damn it. So yeah, they're the only positives I can kind of See, I mean, and the only other positive, which is like, is stretching a little bit, is that now I have all these online resources. And that's the thing is, like, if I, I yeah, ever need them again. Yeah,
1: it forced us to, like, to be flexible. Yeah. To, I mean, we're constantly having to be flexible in the classroom and adapt and change and develop new things. But it really forced us out of our comfort zone. It forced us to learn new technologies and. For
0: some of us, for well. those of us who are willing to learn. Yes.
1: But I am taking it as the positive, because we did learn. We did. We learnt a lot, which we continue to use in our practice. Back in my day. (laughs) Whereas, yeah, back in the day of some, um, it was... Yeah, I would love to have
0: been a fly on the wall in some of those those classes. I think it would have been very much like, here's the role, here's what you're doing, bye. We know for a fact it was. Absolutely. Um, Maybe that's that's part two. so, we're gonna do our second part, where we're gonna kind of look at like, cause that obviously was just the beginning of what happened. It's obviously stretched on for two years, which is insanity. So we're gonna kind of look at like the long lasting impacts. We're gonna look at some of the adjustments that were finally made this year after two years and all that kind of thing. Um, kind of like long lasting impacts on the profession and the students and stuff like that. Um, but for something fun, say what? Say what? Say what is. So, one of my favorites, and oh, this will never leave me. I reckon I've told the story to everybody I know. I can't remember. It's, it's literally one of my favorites. This actually happened during that first year. I think it was 2020, actually. So, perfectly timed. Year 11 class. I can't remember what we were talking about or why we are talking about. This kid just suddenly it's very. Bless him. Bless his cotton socks. He's so tall. And just the. Kid, and I enjoyed him a lot. And he somehow said something about people, uh, he kind of called me fat or implied that I was fat. And there was just like this collective <gasps> in the classroom. This one kid is also another favorite of mine, it's in my kinship class. He was like, You can't say that to people. And he's like, What? Like, it's not, like, I'm not insulting her, it's like a statement of fact. And I was just like, Okay, first of all, get thank you, Midas. He's upset on my butt. Um, which just like, oh, it's just it's just the fact that like you just don't talk about people's weight, like just don't don't call your teacher fat. And then he tried to clarify. Good. Never a good idea. No, no, he tried to clarify by like, oh no, no 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 miss, I don't think you're fat, just plump. Which I think he thought was a less offensive term, but somehow to me I was like plump. It was like you feel my like inner voice getting very high-pitched uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was just oh absolutely and the class just didn't they didn't know what to do Yes, because there was this like you just see like the varying reactions like oh my gosh she's gonna kill him you know like what do you do and I was just like right and you have that really quick Mental conversation with yourself. Like, How do I deal with this? Is this a teaching time to so, like this is why we don't talk about people's weight do I just leave it? Do I recognize the fact that he's on the spectrum and just be like, you know what, let's just leave it alone. So I was like, you know what, let's just leave it. So I just moved on, we talked about it. And something must have happened, someone must have said something to him afterwards because he was, <laughs> came to find me on yard duty, I think, to apologize for offending me. Um, and I was like, it's cool, like, Yep, and I, then I gave him the one on one. Let's just never talk about people's weights. you never know. i like, what if I'd been pregnant? Like, well, you know, whatever, whatever, you know. Um, he was like, oh, you're pregnant. He got very sidetracked by that, so it was a bad, ex- a bad example. Um, and I was like, let's just never talk about it again. Just don't talk about people's weights. It's fine. The next year, he was in year 12. Didn't teach him that year. And he would bring, but he had brought it up constantly over the years. Do you remember that time that I called you plump? He even
1: brought it up to me. Yes, that's right, because he was. <laughs> I think. I think she still wasn't like me because I called her plot uh, I'm like, I wouldn't bring it up. You just stopped talking about
0: it. I would just stop talking about he it. He kept apologizing. He moved out of my year 11 class at the end of the semester. And he would pop his head in for the rest of the year to keep apologizing. Like, you just don't talk about it anymore. And then in year 12, so a year later, he came in. But he didn't just come in to apologize. He came in and he said, and that same student who had told him off the first time was in my year 12 English class that year. And he basically was like, do you remember that time I called you plump? I'm like, it is internally burnt into my brain. Like I wouldn't, I was like, yes, I remember. And I had lost weight during that time, not that it really makes any difference. And he was like, well, I don't think that you're plump anymore. And I was like, and this same kid was like, stop talking. Like, just stop. And of course, none of the other kids in that class had been in my year class. They so like, what is happening in here? And I was like, thank you? I, I guess I'm like, okay, thanks, bye, where are you supposed to be? She's like, no, I just think you're
1: <laughs>
0: Thanks, buddy. Hey. <laughs> what is it. happening? And I think on the day of the graduation dinner, he referenced it again yeah. while we were sitting in very formal dinner. He we was everyone's dressed up. The kids are all dressed up. He's in a nice seat. He's like, Remember that time I called you, Plum? I was like, Oh, my God, I can't. <laughs> If I
1: had forgotten it, you've just reminded
0: me Ugh. again and again and again and again. I just, you're not fat, you just plump. I should make a t shirt.
1: I teach it. Anyway, that's another episode of
0: Hey Miss! Hey Miss! One day they're going to remember my last name. Yeah. I, hey, think that, I feel like they're doing it on purpose just to be annoying. Yeah. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the bell doesn't dismiss you, we dismiss you. And. Uh... You may head off now. Class dismissed. <laughs>